The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021. On this day in 1908, American diplomat Durham Stevens was assassinated after making remarks in support of Japanese imperialism. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the assassination of diplomat Durham Stevens, who worked for the Japanese colonial office in Korea. Now let's go back to San Francisco on the morning of March 23, 1908. Durham Stevens stood waiting for his luggage to be loaded onto the ferry. It was his last day in San Francisco, and frankly, he was happy to leave. The past 48 hours had been a nightmare, all because of an offhand comment he'd made to a local newspaper. Stevens could undoubtedly tell he'd angered the local Korean-American community, but it's hard to say if he fully understood how he was hurting them. He'd spent the past 24 years working for the Japanese government in Korea. He was personally involved in Japan's mission to colonize the country and the subsequent coup d'etat. And like most of the Western world at the time, he looked down on Korea, believing it lacked the sophistication to govern itself. This small slice of history is often overlooked, but had a lasting impact on what would become North and South Korea. After spending 10 years as an American diplomat in Tokyo, the Japanese consulate appointed Durham Stevens as their representative in Korea in 1884. Back then, Korea was a single sovereign nation governed by the Joseon dynasty, which had ruled the country since 1392. Unfortunately, by the 1880s, family infighting had weakened the group's power. As Stevens navigated foreign relations with a turbulent Korean government, another conflict broke out on the other side of the East China Sea. Four years into Stevens' tenure in Korea, Spain and the U.S. went to war over control of the Philippines. The Spanish-American War took place over the spring and summer of 1898. In August, President William McKinley purchased the Philippines from Spain for $20 million, roughly $560 million today. The stated intent was to bring, as McKinley called it, the blessings of good and stable government upon the people of the Philippine Islands. In reality, the U.S. simply wanted to build military bases in the Pacific and gain easy access to the region. The actual citizens of the Philippines weren't a factor. Naturally, Filipinos were outraged by the sale. Uprisings and civil war soon followed. 
Guerrilla attacks on American military bases led to a new policy. American soldiers were permitted to slaughter any perceived enemy combatants over the age of 10. By 1902, it's believed that somewhere between 20 and 40,000 Filipinos died directly from military violence. Another 200,000 civilians died from famine, and 2 million civilians were left homeless. The U.S. faced blowback from other sovereign states in Asia, Japan included. Perhaps this put Stevens in a tricky position, being an American working for the Japanese government. But military movements in Prussia soon got rid of any inner conflict Stevens might have felt. As the Korean government weakened, the Russians started to move in. Their goal was to invade Korea and neighboring Manchuria, which would put them within striking range of Japan. In 1904, Japan went to war with Russia over control of Korea and Manchuria. The war raged for a year, until President Theodore Roosevelt mediated a peace treaty in September 1905. Called the Treaty of Portsmouth, the document advocated for Japanese imperialism in the region, essentially putting an end to Korea's independent rule. A secret condition of the document was that Japan would not criticize the American takeover of the Philippines. And just like that, most of Southeast Asia was colonized. Between 1905 and 1908, Durham Stevens was an integral part of the Japanese occupation of Korea. In fact, he was such an influential advisor that he earned the nickname the American Dictator of the Hermit Kingdom. From the start, Stevens described the Korean government as incompetent and hopelessly corrupt. He backed several business opportunities that capitalized on Japan's newly acquired Korean railways. Stevens was widely hated throughout Korea and simply loathed by Korean immigrants to the United States. It's unclear how much Stevens understood this, especially when he traveled to San Francisco in March of 1908. He agreed to an interview with the San Francisco Call on March 21st. During this meeting, he praised the work Japan did supposedly for Korea's benefit, saying, Japan is doing in Korea and for the Koreans what the United States is doing in the Philippines. The statement incited outrage among many Korean expatriates living in San Francisco. After all, the U.S. had left tens of thousands of Filipinos dead and another two million homeless. The sentiment was outrageous. The next day, a small group of these expats decided to set the record straight. Coming up, Durham Stevens meets four members of the Korean Righteous Army. Hi listeners, it's Vanessa from Parcast. When you think of a criminal, do you picture a killer, a gangster, a thief? I bet you didn't think it could be the little old lady down the street who murdered her tenants. Every Wednesday on my series, Female Criminals, meet the unlikeliest of felons, mothers, neighbors, and unsuspecting lovers with a penchant for dangerous behavior. Discover the psychology and motives behind their disturbing crimes and find out where their story stands today. But that's not all. 
Airing right now on Female Criminals is our special five-part look at the world's most infamous femme fatales, women who were deceptive and deadly, but not always the villain. Catch these episodes and more by following the Spotify original from Parcast, Female Criminals. New episodes premiere weekly. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. On March 21, 1908, 56-year-old Durham Stevens sat down for an interview about his part in the Japanese takeover of Korea. During the talk, he said the coup had been a good thing, comparing the Japanese occupation to the U.S.'s actions in the Philippines. This incited fury in many of the Korean Americans who read the article. Some had been exiled after Japan took over. Seething, four young men met up at San Francisco's Fairmont Hotel on March 22, 1908, the day after the interview was published. They were all former Korean soldiers forced to flee the country after taking part in a failed rebellion. They waited for Stevens to make his way through the lobby before confronting him. When Stevens refused to recuse himself, the altercation turned violent. One of the soldiers, a man named Lee, picked up a rattan lobby chair and started swinging it wildly. His three companions followed suit. Lee's chair checked Stevens, who face-planted onto the cold marble floor. When Stevens stood up, blood streamed down his face. But instead of retreating, he picked up a chair and started fighting back. Given his age, he held his own surprisingly well. The tussle came to a halt when other hotel guests tackled the four Koreans and kicked them out of the hotel. Stevens kept his composure and went upstairs to clean up, but the incident likely rattled him. He was likely happy to be leaving the city in the morning. Stevens made it to the ferry landing without incident, but as one of his assistants fiddled with his luggage, Stevens saw a young Korean man step toward him. He thought he recognized him from the day before. The man raised his hand. It was heavily bandaged to conceal a gun, mimicking the way President McKinley was assassinated by a Filipino insurgent in 1901. But the gun didn't fire. Both parties froze for a moment. Then the assassin, a man named Chun Myung-un, smashed the pistol into Stephen's face and took off running. For whatever reason, probably pride, Stevens followed him, which gave a second gunman, Zhang In-Huan, time to ambush him and fire. Zhang unloaded three rounds into Stevens. Chun and Zhang were once again tackled by bystanders. A crowd formed, mostly of white Americans chanting anti-Japanese slurs. The yells were confusing for several reasons, motivated by mindless racism. Miraculously, Stevens made it to the hospital and even seemed to be in stable condition. At one point, he told his nurse, I don't feel any pain. Is that a bad sign? It was. Though he felt fine, Stevens was suffering from massive internal bleeding. He died two days later on March 25th. 
Stephen's assassination made international news, and he was mourned across the U.S. and Japan. But Zhang and Chun were celebrated as true patriots throughout Korea. While murder can never be condoned, the anger these men felt was driven by daily Western propaganda about how happy Koreans supposedly were under Japanese rule. Instead of asking the people directly affected by the takeover, the media was content to push a false narrative. Korea would spend the next 35 years attempting to overthrow Japan, and in many ways, the nation has not been whole since. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Aaron Lan, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 